Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Well, hello, Celebrate, and welcome as we continue this incredible series called The Goodness of God as we look at Psalm 23. And I hope that you are using the devotionals of Pastor Keith as a supplement to this. You can find those on the Celebrate app because, man, those are good. And it just takes everything just a whole nother level deeper. And so I hope you take advantage of that. You know, my wife, Cindy, and I have been a part of the Celebrate community now for 15 years. It's hard to believe. And, man, we have been so blessed and honored to be underneath the teaching of Pastor Keith. And, and I think of over those years, the many series that we've had. And I think probably any of us who've, who've been here for any length of time could point out maybe certain series and specific things of it. And I mean, literally hundreds of series that we've had. But I would say this, that, that this series that we're walking through right now, The Goodness of God, and Pastor Keith has said it, and I so agree with him, I think that this is the most pivotal series we have ever had in the life of the church. And here's why I say that. Because Pastor Keith has said, and I agree with him, that our perception of God influences our perception of everything else in life. Make sense? Mm-hmm. You know, Pastor Keith has always said this, if this is right, this will be right. So if our perception is right here, then things will be right here. If things aren't right here, it's, it's typically because there's a perception thing here. It, do we believe that he's really a good father, that he's a good shepherd, that he's good all the time? And I say that because, at least for me right now, as I look around the world, I don't know about you guys, man, I see a lot of fear in people. And now let's even take something specific, the election coming up, okay? It's driven by fear. I look at that and I see the, the promotions that are coming from either side. And the promotion is the fear if this person or this person gets elected. And I go, oh my, really? Can I, can I be honest with you? I have no fear at all with the election that's coming up or whoever gets elected. I have no fear. Hang on. You know why? Because neither candidate is my shepherd. Neither candidate controls my eternal salvation. Make sense? Mm -hmm. Now, I'm not saying you don't pray for the election or work on behalf of what you believe is is right. I don't don't say that at all. But our perception's wrong if we're living in fear. We have a wrong perception. You know, when when you become a disciple of Jesus, not a fan (laughs) and not a follower of Jesus, but when you become a disciple of Jesus, you know what Jesus tells you to do? Die. Die. Die to yourself. Die to your always. Which means we don't have any fear. We shouldn't because this isn't our home. (laughs) This is only temporary, man. This is pregame. Game is up there. Make sense? And so that's why I think Psalm 23 is so important for us to understand because it gives us the understanding of really who God is. So we're going to start by looking at Psalm 23. 23, but I want you and your Bibles to turn to Psalm 51. We'll get to that in just a minute. And you know what I think? I think I've really kind of figured out now how Pastor Keith and God kind of talk about messages here, because obviously Pastor Keith is always working way ahead in messages, praying about it, and you know, God, what should we be walking through? What do you want us to walk through? And I, I think I figured out now that that God then will tell Pastor Keith, okay, make Reed preach this message because he really needs to work on this. Okay, I think that's how it, how it figures out. <laughs> because kind of like in all messages, but especially in this one, okay, uh, I'm telling you right in front, this has been one I, I have to walk through. So 
We'll get to 51 in a minute, but I want us to start by reading together out of Psalm 23. It's gonna be a little different version than some are used to, the English Standard Version. And we're gonna read the first three verses aloud. You'll see it on your screen. Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. Do this, repeat this after me. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. You know, when you go to a doctor, typically the doctor will probably take some kind of test just to look and see how things are going. Might take a blood pressure test, a, you know, temperature obviously kind of thing, maybe height, weight. If there's more things, obviously they might take an MRI or different things in there. But let me ask you, how many of you have ever had the doctor say, how's your soul doing today? You know, probably not a lot. I, I think they should. And here's why. Because this isn't going to last, right? This isn't going to last at all. I mean, I keep telling my wife all the time, baby, I'm not going to have this forever. You better take advantage of it, okay? <laughs> but we're not going to have this forever, okay? But even more importantly, from a physician standpoint, most doctors will tell you that a lot of the causes of the symptoms are deep-seated things way in the heart, in the soul. Make sense? And so, well, let me ask you. How's your soul today? Or, as it says in one of the hymns, is it well with your soul? So today, we want to look at two questions. How do you know if your soul needs to be restored? Because it says, he restores my soul. Well, how do you know if it needs to be restored? The second question is, how then do you restore your soul? Okay, you all ready to learn? All right, if you have notes or can take notes, Here's the first question. How do you know if your soul needs to be restored? You know, uh, Jeff Foxworthy is a great comedian. Of course, he's become famous with the line that you might be a redneck if. You all heard some of them? Okay, here, here's, here's a couple ones I love. If you see a billboard that says, just say no to crack and it reminds you to pull up your pants, you might be a redneck. <laughs> if you get pulled over for a speeding ticket with a mattress propped atop your car, you might be a redneck. Here's one more. If you think recipe for disaster has something to do with your wife's chili, you might be a redneck. <laughs> well, let's take that theme, but let's talk about our soul. I might need my soul restored if little things put me over the edge. If I can't get to sleep and I can't get up, if I can't turn off the day and I dread the next because I sense I don't have the resources needed for it. How about this one? If my plate is too full and my heart is too empty. If I can't find my Bible and I'm not praying about anything important. If I binge on things to escape reality. If I know it's wrong, but I have no self-control. Anybody relate to any of those things? You know, a dean of a college was asked, what's the greatest problem on your campus? And he responded with one word, emptiness. I think he's right. You know, the human heart craves for spirituality. Pastor Keith talked about that last week. And yet, we find that spiritual emptiness haunts millions of people. We seem upside down and can't turn it around. Have you ever used or heard the phrase, uh, you look downcast, or they looked downcast. Have you ever seen that phrase? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Do you know that that actually key, it comes from sheep? 
and from watching sheep, it actually does. A sheep is, they use the word cast, okay? They use that if a sheep has turned over and it's on its back, okay? It rolled and turned over and either because of its lack of ability or because of that much wool around it, it cannot right itself, okay? So it's down cast, literally, with its feet in the air. And a sheep will die in that position if someone doesn't help him. It's especially true among sheep that are pregnant. Author Philip Keller writes this, a downcast sheep is a very pathetic sight. Now think about this as it even relates to us as humans. Lying on its back, its feet in the air, it flails away frantically struggling to get up without success. It will bleed out for help in a frightened frustration. If the shepherd does not arrive on the scene within a reasonable short time and restore them right side up, the sheep will die. You ever felt like that? I think a lot of people have. See, when your soul gets downcast, gets cast, you're upside down. And you can't, I mean, you can watch all the Dr. Phil shows you want, okay? You can't flip it over and at a certain point, you might give up. Suicide rates have gone up 33% in the last two decades. In fact, it's the number two leading cause of death among teenagers today. Let me ask you, how's your soul? How, how does it get that way? What are the causes of a soul that, that gets lost or gets upside down? I, I think it's two words that we're going to look at here. First word is over. Over. Anytime you over something, it's usually not good. Overeat. Overspend, you know what I'm saying? That's what happens. How about these as we talk about your soul? How about overworked? Anybody relate to that one? Americans are working way more now than they did 20 years ago. In fact, a lot of people have two jobs. See that a lot. Well, we have to because we have to accomplish something great. Man, there's, there's, we have to make a name for ourselves. Our mantra is work hard, play hard. That's become our mantra. But we can't keep the pace. So we need to consume more, more energy, caffeine, energy drinks, whatever the case be, to try to keep the pace. We're what Pastor Keith talked about last week. We're Lightning McQueen, and our word is speed. We are speed. And in the 20s, you can do that, but in the 30s, you don't have the energy you did in your 20s. And I'm not asking for affirmation on any of that. I'm just <laughs> stating a fact. <laughs> but you got to keep the pace, and in your 40s, and all of a sudden, you find out people who are burned out and they're upside down, overworked. How about this one? Overstressed. Ever felt that way? Man, stress of problems. Where? <laughs> Everywhere. How about problems at home? Problems at the job? Problems in a marriage? Problem with kids? Problems with finances? Worry about the future? Problems with health? Stress in other relationships that, that drain our soul. Anybody else relate to any of those? Overstressed. How about this one? Overcommitted. Does that one hit close to home for any of us? The USS Sultana was a Mississippi River side wheel steamboat, which exploded in April 27, 1865, in the worst maritime disaster in United States history. Think about it. Almost 160 years ago, still the worst in our history. It was constructed of wood in 1863. She was intended for the lower Mississippi cotton trade and would normally carry a crew of about 85 people. 
For two years, she ran a regular route between St. Louis and New Orleans and was often commissioned to also carry soldiers. It was designed with a capacity of 376 passengers. How many? 376. But on that day, she was carrying 2,137 passengers when three out of the four boilers exploded and she burnt to the waterline and sank near Memphis, Tennessee, killing 1,168 people. Wow, over committed. See, we're a people that don't know how to say no. And man, it's almost that we don't tolerate people who say no. But when we don't say no, we're overcommitted and it depletes our soul. And instead of being restored, we are overboard and we sink and we usually take people down with us. We're overcommitted. How about this one? Overconsumption. They usually have the two words, I need. You ever heard anybody say that? I need a better job. I need a better car. I need a better house. I need better toys. I need a spouse. I need a spouse. I pity the one that they find with that attitude. I need a spouse. And then they need kids. We got a son. Now we need a daughter. Now we need grandkids. We always need something more. It's interesting in all these. Jesus said this in Mark 8. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but you lose your own soul? Think about that. So over is one of the words. Here's the second word, I think, and that is sin. Specifically, unconfessed sin. David wrote this in Psalm 32. He said, when I kept silent about my sin, my body wasted away through my groaning all day long. See, the reality is we know that we don't measure up even to our own selves, let alone to God's standard. And when we do and we don't confess it, we get turned upside down. Make sense? And no matter what we try to do, we can't right ourselves. You ever tried to do that? Write it by yourself? You can't. You, you, ever, you ever seen, sometimes in Florida, other places, ever seen these sinkholes? Yeah. Then all of a sudden these sinkholes happen. You ever seen it? Some of them, they'll just take a whole house. You know what I'm saying? I mean, these sinkholes are gargantuan. Well, you know what? You're not going to take a couple shovels of dirt and fill it up. <laughs> you can't. The sinkhole just keeps eating it. But yet, we do that in our lives with the hole in our heart, our hole in our soul. We try to fill it, just fill it with, with all kinds of more activity, more stuff, more stuff, stuff, and it can't fill it. A, a man once wrote his pastor, listen to how he said it. Life ended for me somewhere during these years through a slow process. It took years to stifle my faith, but now it's entirely gone. I'm only a shell, and perhaps even the shell is gone. Anybody relate to that at all ever? Man, once your faith was on fire, your, your time with God was something that, man, was just alive to you. You couldn't wait to get to church, and now that seems like it's a distant because it's gone and all that's left is a shell. I understand it. I remember very specifically, it was a Tuesday night. I had two commitments, but they both got canceled, so my night was open. But my wife already had commitments. She was gone, and we'd already gotten a babysitter for the kids. Okay, they were smaller. So, they were, so I had nothing to do, so actually I went to the youth ministry office. I was in ministry. I went there, and I don't know how to describe it except a darkness came over me that suffocated me. And all of a sudden I realized there is nothing left inside. This was something that happened quick. It happened over a period of time. I just hadn't been willing to acknowledge it. 
at all. Because you know what? I'm really good at hiding stuff. When you have an addiction you work with, you can get really good at hiding stuff. And I hid it. But something happened, I realized there was nothing left. All that was left was a shell. It's like watching your own version of The Walking Dead, only you're the version of it. And you're upside down. But yet the Bible says it's not supposed to be that way. Here's what it said a couple of verses. 2 Corinthians 4 says, Even though our outward man is perishing, yet the inward man is being renewed day by day. Psalm 19 says, The law of the Lord is perfect. It revives the soul, restores the soul. Isaiah 40 says, But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They'll run and not grow weary. They'll walk and not faint. And then Psalm 51, and we'll read this again here in a minute, says, Restore to me the joy of your salvation. Our heart, if we are right with Jesus, should be a happy heart, should it not? You know, our little, our youngest grandson is going to be two years old next month. Okay, Pierce is his name. So last week, his mom was put into bed and said, Pierce, it's time to say our prayers. And what he did is he says, Mommy, like this. He folded his hands and he closed eyes. How they do, just real tight. He says, Dear Jesus, you make my heart happy. And that was his prayer. And that's what it should be. Unfortunately, though, for a lot of people, it's not. Let's talk. I'm talking about how do you know if your heart needs to be restored, your soul needs to be restored? What, what strikes you out of anything we've talked about? Uh, for me, um, it started probably two years ago um, after my sister passed away. And there was a string of events that happened through work and other things that just, I was drained. I was literally drained. You know, and at some point, I got to the point where, you know, I didn't have the energy to get to work. I didn't, want, I didn't want to go to work. I didn't want to do anything. And then finally, I just had to, just, I just cried. I just, and I think you saw me. I was in church and I was just crying. And it was because I was drained. I was, I was done, you know. And I just had to just talk to God about it, you know. And, and after that day, actually, things got a lot better because I sat in church and I went to the altar and I prayed and, and I just, you know, God help me. You know, I needed help. My, my soul needs to be restored because I'm drained right now. Made me think about all the different types of pressures that are put on us. Sometimes pressures that we put on ourselves for all the wrong reasons. The pressure to be the perfect soccer mom, the pressure to be present at every single school event, school activity, pressure to, you know, make sure that you know how to do your ninth grade son's math homework, which is impossible, by the way. I mean, there, it's, it gets to the point where it's so overwhelming and you, you need a moment to be able to decipher between what is a necessary pressure and what really needs to be done versus what you think you're supposed to be doing or, or what other people think you should be doing. It, it should be so much simpler. It really should be. Well, we've experienced a lot of change and transition in the last few months, as I'm sure a lot of people have, but we, I personally probably started to feel more irritable I mean, he could probably tell it because he told me to go for a walk. <laughs> Good answer. Good answer. Yep. No. <laughs> but I'm glad he told me to go for a walk because one of the things that restores my soul is honestly being with God out in nature. 
and just walking and getting it away from it all, so to speak. And it literally took that walk to kind of recenter and say, okay, Trisha, you don't have to be irritable. Just release and let God take it. So, how's your soul really? We've talked about how do you know if your soul needs to be restored? So now let's ask, how do you restore your soul? You know what? <laughs> you can't. <laughs> you can't. That's what we're talking about. Only God can restore a soul because he created it. Only the creator can restore it. Here's what it says in 1 Peter 5. I love how it says this. And the God of all grace, who called you into his eternal glory in Christ, after you've suffered for a little while, will himself restore you. I love that. Will himself restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. See, the Hebrew word for the word restore, think about this. It's mentioned almost 1,000 times in the Old Testament. God's a God of restoration. Always has been restoring the nation of Israel to himself. Jesus coming in flesh, man restored eyesight, you know what I'm saying? Restored, including restored people back to life. That's what they do. But restore means it's intended to re bring it back to its original intended state. Okay, so for example, if you're restoring a car, restoring furniture, that kind of thing, you bring it back to an even better state than it was in the previous because you have better equipment, new, new tools, you know what I'm saying? To do that with kind of thing. Our society, we throw things away. Can we say that? When it's damaged, we throw it away. You know what? Not God. God rescues it, he renews it, and he restores it. But here's, I think, what we have to always understand. God doesn't want to just clean us up. He doesn't want to just give us a, a paint job or put some flex seal on it. Although, I gotta say this, flex seal commercials are amazing. I mean, I think I'm just gonna recommend flex seal for more couples that they're struggling, their marriage is coming apart. Flex seal, dog. That thing's gonna be in heaven, I think, if I know that right. Okay. But God doesn't do any of that. He restores it back to a original condition, which is huge. Now. How does he restore us? What's fun is it's the previous two sentences. The answer to our question is right above. Remember what it said? He makes me lie down in green pastures. Say that with me. He, he makes, makes me, me lie, lie down, down in, in green, green pastures. pastures. Now think about that, he, which means it's not we, we can't do it. We can't read enough positive thinking books or listen to positive audios, although I believe in that. Go enough to positive seminars, we can't pull ourselves up by the bootstraps. We can't. He, he's the one who does it. But then he makes us do what? Lie down. He says he doesn't help us to lie down or encourage us to lie down or suggest that we lie down. He what? Makes, makes us. You ever had a young child who didn't want to take a nap? Oh, I start to nerve. I knew it would be. I knew it would be. And and you know, you know, okay, they have got to take a nap because if they don't, it's gonna be bad for them and it's gonna be bad for us. Am I right? In fact, Cindy still says, read, take a nap, okay? <laughs> but you what? You make them lie down because you know that they need to. We don't like to lay down. We don't want to stop and, and lie down and spend time with God. But if we don't, God will make us lie down in green pastures. Only you know what? It won't look green to us. It'll look more like a hospital bed, a funeral home, a pink slip, a constant financial struggle, 
It could be a broken relationship, penetrating loneliness, financial need. It makes us lie down. Every person that I see that God used greatly in the Bible, you know what's common among all of them? God forced them into isolation. God forced them into COVID in their life kind of thing. Now, it doesn't look green to us when that happens, but it is to God because he knows the good that's going to come out of it. God will use crisis to get our attention. Hey, hey, your soul needs restored. I mean, he will. But we don't like to. But we have to be forced sometimes to be in a place where there's no speed, no agenda, just being with Jesus, not even a watch, not something we have to hurry up and get to the next best thing. This happens so seldom in our lives because we're always going, kids, activities, man, this, that, pressure, work. He makes us lie down, not makes us walk, makes us run, slow, slow down. No, he makes us lie down. Why does he make us lie down? There, there's two reasons for that. Number one, healing rest. Healing rest. Now, I don't mean sleeping in church, okay? But doctors will tell you that rest, sleep, heals your body. Your body heals during that time. You know what's interesting I find right now in our country? 35% of Americans get the recommended eight hours of sleep. Only 35%. Crazy. And yet, we lead the world and need the pharmaceuticals that there is. Rest is common picture in scripture. It says, rest in the Lord. It says, wait patience for him. Jesus took time to rest. He would withdraw from the multitude. They couldn't find him. Where? He went alone to rest. We need rest. But there's a second reason God forces us to lie down, and it's a word, intimacy. We don't think about that often, but it is. When a married couple lies down together, it's a picture of intimacy, of being close, of hearing each other's breath of feeling a touch there. It's a picture of being naked together. Adam and Eve were in the garden, and they were what? Naked. They were naked. Ha-ha! <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but not just with each other, with God. In fact, sin came. It was the, what was the first thing they did? Cover they up. Covered. covered up. Nakedness. They were born to be naked with God, and not now. And you know what's interesting to me? When I think about you know, even people who restore things, like restoring furniture, okay? I mean, I, I, pr I appreciate anybody who fixes stuff. That, that is not me, okay? That's not me. I mean, my, my, my father-in-law was a MacGyver. He could fix anything. So Cindy marries me, like, <laughs> oh, my word. And I, I finally convinced her, babe, it's the same amount of money, same amount of money, okay? Either we give it to the guy to fix it, or I fix it and we go to marriage counseling. It's the same money. It's going out, okay? But I have so much respect for people when they restore, like, furniture. But you know what? If you restore furniture, you know what you have to do? You have to strip it. And you have to strip it all. You don't leave some of it. You strip it all to the bare wood. You get it naked. That's what you have to do. Think about that. For us to have our soul restored, we have to get naked with God, where he sees what's really in our heart. It says he makes us lie down where? Green pastures. In green pastures. Not in brown grass, green weeds, synthetic turf, okay? No, 
in green pastures where the nutrients are the richest that you can find. That's this. That's the Bible. That's God's word to us. You know, when you think of a, of a meadow, if you just think of a picture of a green meadow with maybe flowers and you see the sun and can you picture if it's a warm day and you picture laying a blanket out and you just lay down it, you know what I'm saying? Isn't there just a that comes over you? That's what it's meant to be. Let me ask you, when's the last time that you laid down in a place and you just simply got naked with God? Told him every fear that is really in your heart, every anxious thing, every hurt that you've hid from everybody. See, when you get that serious with God and you pour your heart out before him, God will restore your soul. He will. But he makes us lie down in green pastures. Tell me what thoughts go through your head when we talk about that. Gosh, I had just read Psalm 66. So a little further down in the Bible, you have to check it. I think it's 66. But David's talking about crying out to God and then praising him and then confessing. And I wrote in my Bible that he recognized that he had a need. He recalled who God truly was and who could really resolve what he was going through. And then he released with that confession. And so that, that just came to mind as you were sharing about restoring your soul and literally just confessing and releasing. Well, I just think about uh, the power in just opening up. You know, um, just kind of growing up with that sort of mentality of, you know, you got to be tough, son. And, you know, you fall, it's okay. Get to be the first one up. You know, um, just that sort of uh, kind of mindset It's totally opposite. We're walking alongside with our Heavenly Father. It's more so, hey, well, what is that? How do you feel? What's going on there? And really going and moving places to, to, to get to a part of true peace, true healing, true joy. And so it's amazing just to really stay here in the green pastures. Even, even when things happen and, you know, maybe you're not even in a valley, you're on the top of a sort of mountain in, in your journey. But to go back and gain some of that nourishment, recharge, rejuvenate. It's, it's for me, it's when things really started coming together, my walk with God. It's confessing, talking, saying, God, you know my heart. And, and, and just seeing him show up and show out. He's an on-time God. I think it's interesting. God makes us lie down, right? And like you said, it, it brings you to a hospital bed, right? It, it puts us into a spot to where we have nowhere else to go, but okay, help me, you know? Um, and unfortunately, like, life goes on, and if, if they really aren't into it, like, they'll, they'll walk away from that. But, like, he makes you turn to him. Like, he'll meet you where you are, but eventually he'll make you turn around and look at him. And, and, and that it's when you're vulnerable, you have nothing else to do. Like, I literally wrote down vulnerable when you were saying that. Like, it, it's when, when the light is literally shining from the front and behind of me and I can't hide anything. 
I have nowhere else to go except for to him, and it's it's crazy. It it, it blows my mind that a God wants to see all of that, and He cares about it, and He wants to work you like like a piece of clay and mold you into what He wants you to be. It's it's amazing. Yeah, absolutely, and that leads now to the second part because obviously He makes us lie down in green pastures, but now the second one, he leads me beside quiet waters. The second part of it. Let's look at that for a moment. Note, he leads me. Who leads? He. He does. He doesn't follow me. He doesn't chase me. <laughs> he leads me. God cannot restore your soul unless you're willing to let him lead you. Last week, Pastor Keith shared that quiet waters mean deep waters kind of thing. And, and I don't know if you've ever seen pictures or maybe you've been in a spot where it was you were by a lake that was a deep lake but it was like glass you know what i'm saying and i mean just again the serenity the the picture it just puts a calming on you does that make sense at least it does for me whether i'm there live or in picture now i don't know if you've also uh, seen these audios that you can listen to at night maybe you have an app that have different sounds you can fall asleep to and some of them are water okay ocean or rain or or a bubbling brook okay they don't call me they made me go pee. Okay, I mean, I'm just being honest with you. So I can't, I can't do that one at all. Okay. But quiet waters is a whole different thing. You know, you know what quiet waters sounds like? That. We don't have much of that in today. No TV going on. No phone ringing. Nobody calling our name except God. Call our name where we open his word and now we just talk. Do you know that God loves to hear your voice? He loves it. And now God can talk to you as well. There's, there's three things that happen when you're beside quiet waters. Three things happen. First of all, what happens is reflection. Reflection happens. For me, it's reflecting on God's goodness. God, you're so good. Pastor Keith talked about his list of 100 things he's thankful for. I have a list as well, same thing. And the, all the things I'm so thankful thankful for. God's so good to reflect on that. Maybe reflect on areas of my life that I'm anxious or things that I'm, I'm holding in that I need, to, I need to get rid of, or maybe it is sin that I've not confessed, to be able to reflect. But there's a second one, that's reverence. Reverence happens besides quiet waters, where instead of reflecting on God's goodness, you reflect on his greatness. One of the things that I love to do is I love to go through the alphabet, just names of God. A, God, you're Alpha, you're amazing, you're awesome, you're able. B, you're bountiful, you're beautiful, you're bodacious. C, you're constant, you're consistent, you're considerate. D, you're dynamic, you're, you're just devoted. God, you're E, you're enough, you're enough. F, you're a father, you're a friend. And just to walk through the outfit of, of God's good, it's just the reverence of that. You know what, when you worship God, you know what'll happen? It'll fill your soul. Jesus said, if you drink of my water, you'll never what? You'll never thirst again, ever. It's reverence that happens. So reflection, reverence, and then remember is the next one that happens. Remember. And for me, that's remembering everything that Jesus did to claim my life. Paul writes it to Timothy this way in Hebrews. He says this, fix your eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners so you won't grow weary and lose heart. Man, you know what I find a lot of people burn out wear out. You know why? They don't remember. They don't spend time in reverence. They don't spend time reflecting 
They're just going, going, and they get burned out. Man, it's in the deep, the quiet waters that your soul will be restored. Not a quick, grab a quick Bible verse and a quick cup of coffee while I'm heading out the door. Okay, I, I got my devotional verse for the day and my cup of coffee. Here we go, God. Uh-uh, uh-uh. That won't restore your soul. Do you notice that repeatedly in the New Testament that you see that Jesus, we talked about it, he got away and alone and he prayed. It says that often. Mark 1, it says this way. While it was still dark, Jesus got up and went out to a lonely place and there he prayed. You know what I think? If Christ himself could not walk this earth without taking time to be with his father in deep waters, how arrogant am I to think that I can? See, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. And because of that, he restores my soul. Do you want to see a difference in your life and in the way you think? Can I make a suggestion? Do this. Pick a specific time this week. Take an hour somewhere in your week. Take out of 164, take one, and put it aside. Specific time, a specific place. Get to a place where you're alone. You can put everything outside. Put it, put it where you're alone. Pick a specific part of Scripture. I encourage you, if you haven't read, start with the book of John. And just start reading about that Jesus is the Word and let it just marinate with you. So take that and now start with prayer and you will start to feel your soul restored because you're by deep waters. David knew this. Now, I had you turn to Psalm 51. Look at it. David obviously had a lot of struggle, different areas of his life, sin. But look what he says in Psalm 51, verse 10. Verse 10 says, Create in me a new, clean heart, O God, filled with clean thoughts and right desires. Then verses 12 and 13. Restore to me again the joy of your salvation. So get that? Restore to me again the joy of my salvation and make me willing to obey you. Then I will teach your ways to other sinners and they, guilty like me, will repent and return to you. See, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how bad it's been or anything else. It doesn't matter how long you've been upside down and you've been bleeding for help with your legs up. The shepherd wants to come and restore you. He wants to, but in order to do that, he's going to make you lie down where? Green, Green pastures. Yes. And he's going to lead you where? Quiet, Quiet, Quiet waters. waters. And in doing so, your soul will be restored. Can I say this? It will. Because on that Tuesday night, I couldn't do anything but ball. And I'm not a person who cries a lot. I just, I, I just bawled. I didn't know what to do. And I'm not a journaler, but God spoke in my spirit. He said, take out a notepad and start writing. Just start writing. And I started. And God showed me two things that he had addressed. One was hurt that I'd carried for a long time by some people that hurt me deeply and I'd never let it go. I'd never forgiven them and let it go. But the second is that I hadn't been spending time in green pastures and I had not been spending time in quiet waters. I'm in full-time ministry at that point and I had read the word to get ready for a message, read the word to inspire others, never did it to feed my soul and I had nothing left. But when God spoke to me, I started to do that because he made me <laughs> lie down and I got beside quiet waters and I just started doing that. And you know what? It's true. He restores. He restored my marriage. 
He restored my dreams. He restored my future. He restored my mind from addiction. He restored my heart. He restored my soul. See, the great thing is when he restores your soul, he restores everything back to its original state of union with him where he wants to now use you to reach others. You know what? That's why I can say the Lord is my shepherd. He's not a shepherd. No, no, no. He's my shepherd. The Lord is Reed's shepherd. Reed has everything he needs. He makes Reed lie down in green pastures. He makes and leads Reed beside quiet waters, but he restores Reed's soul. He will do that. Before we finish off, what's going through your mind now as we talk about quiet waters? The first thing that came to mind uh, when you said reflection, uh, I'm a Disney guy. Um, and the first thing that came to mind was the movie Lion King, not the new one, the classic. Um, Simba is being led to this, this pond. And he looks down in, into the water and, and he doesn't see himself, but he sees his dad, Mufasa. And he gets mad and he gets angry and he's like, why'd you leave, right? And then the stars come through and he hears his voice roaring from the skies, remember who you are. And I think more importantly, we need to remember whose we are. You know, like, it, it, it's so amazing. And then, and then he leaves from that, that pond and he goes and beats the bad guy and you see Pride Rock restored and the pride lands restored when the king is in glory and, and everybody respects that and they know that. And I think that's, that's huge for where we're at. If we would just take a second, look in the mirror, reflect on who we are and go back through the, exactly this, reflect, um, become revered and, and all these things like, holy buck is the things that can happen in, in our lives and then that impacts others which is greater than the, the effect that it would have on our lives. And I think that's just, that's just amazing if we just realize that. I like the fact that, you know, when we run out, it's not the end, especially when we come to God and we understand that, yeah, I'm weary, I'm tired, but you know what, God, I'm going to give it all to you. I'm going to give it all to you. And just that understanding of, it's, it's, it's nothing that I have control of. It's all in our God. It's all in my shepherd. Just looking back over Psalm 51 and just seeing uh, verse 10, it says, creating me a clean heart, O God. It just, it's just that reminder that literally everything comes from him. Um, that um, humbling ourselves before him, it just... It is completely all about just submitting and allowing him to, to just work, uh, getting out of the way, in essence. Because uh, he already knows everything that's going on. You just got to invite him in. In the late 1800s, the way entertainment happened was there'd be a troupe of actors that would normally go through different towns and they would perform. Well, in one Midwestern town, the place was packed and this actor got up and he was very, very good and he recited different things of poems and poetry and literature and speeches and, I mean, very good, and the people applauded him enthusiastically. I mean, just really appreciated his skill and his talent. At the end, he said, would anybody like a request? And an older man raised his hand, and the older man, obviously, had, had been 
worn over time because of work and outdoors, but had clean clothes that were clean, but had already been patched up and well-worn. But he raised his hand and said, could you, would you recite Psalm 23? And the man said, I, I can and I will on one condition that when I'm done, you come up and you recite it as well. The man thought it was odd, but he said, okay. So the actor started with all the skill he had. The Lord is my shepherd and gave it everything he had. When he got to the end, man, the crowd just applauded enthusiastically. Then he said to the gentleman, would you come up please and do it? The old man, not eloquent of speech at all, not used to that at all, got up and started to say, the Lord is my shepherd. But as he did, there was a joy that came over his face and, and a warmth in his heart. And when he got done to the part of, and surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. There was silence, no applause. The only sound that there was was the grabbing for handkerchiefs to wipe away tears as people were crying. After some moments of silence, the actor came and said, I want to tell you why I asked him to do that, because it was as I thought. I knew Psalm 23, but he knows the shepherd. Here's the question. Do you know Psalm 23 or do you know the shepherd? How's your soul really? The Lord wants to be your shepherd. He wants to make you lie down in green pastures. He wants to lead you beside quiet waters. He wants to restore your soul. Father God, I pray that, that today we would examine our own souls. God, have we become over all the things we talked about, overstimulated, overworked, overstressed, over everything? And, or has there been sin that has depleted our souls and what's left is just a shell? On the outside, man, people, people think there's nothing wrong and how you doing and we give a great answer. But on the inside, we know it's not the truth. God, I pray if that's the case with anybody today, God, that, that they would reach to you and they would let you lead them. God, in doing so, as they sit in green pastures, as they sit beside quiet waters, as they spend time with you, God, thank you for the promise, not the hope, but the promise that you will restore their soul. Father God, that's what we need. So we love you. We thank you for your word. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless.